0: Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 37. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello. Today we'll be discussing the 15th episode of season two, Won't Get Fooled Again. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Won't Get Fooled Again. John wakes up after crash landing the module on Earth and finds all his Moya friends in new positions on Earth. Aaron is a doctor, Zan is a psychologist, Dargo a hotshot pilot, and Scorpius is... Scorpy. After John tries to find out who's behind the mind games, things take an increasingly painful turn when his dead mother shows up.
1: How to describe this episode? Okay. So this episode starts with the launch sequence from Earth and acts as if John never left. And of course, John and the audience have been to this rodeo before in a human reaction from season one. And the episode, what I love about it is it doesn't even try to pretend otherwise. It's a direct response to that episode and the mind games that happen with the Ancients. And John is immediately deeply suspicious and hostile. Like, he sees his father and he yells at him and he sees a bathroom and he kicks it open, a women's bathroom, which is, as you remember, a human reaction. The one of the things that t- tipped him off, that he was in a mind frowl. And he tries that and it's, you know, actually a woman's bathroom. And then the other one is there's a newspaper and he's looking at the uh, up-to-date newspaper. But he's still suspicious. And I really think that's a credit to him that, you know, he, he has been through so much at this point that he is just like oh, hell no. I don't know what's going on, but it's wrong, and I'm going to do everything I can to figure out what. And in the process, because he knows that it's not real, he's acting like nothing matters, and it's kind of hilarious to watch. And this whole episode is deeply funny and disturbing and twisted in all the best ways. And so when he starts to see his Moya friends, and Aaron shows up pretty immediately as his doctor, Dr. Patina Fairchild, he immediately latches onto them and goes with them in every single instance that he can, which I which I really enjoy. hmm
0: I feel like there's two kinds of there's two kind of Farscape fans. There's a the kind of Farscape fans that are all of the mind frail episodes, all the you know, the wacky episodes were a hundred percent canon. You have to watch them, they're the best part of Farscape. And then there's the fans that are like You know, like I can take or leave these episodes. And I feel like I vary on the spectrum because I'm like when I'm in the right mood for it, this episode is like comedy gold. Like there's nothing as funny as some of the things that they make these actors do in this episode. For example, they have Bilar Krace wearing, like, red high heels later in the episode. And it's just so classically funny. And Aaron shows up in the ER with, like, these giant hair curlers. And it's just, like, it's so classically Farscape. And it's so classically funny. But at the same time, it does not do much to move the plot forward. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like one of those episodes that I feel like when I was – First, starting it, like when I was first starting to watch it for the podcast, I was like taking notes. And then eventually, I just like put down the computer because I'm like, there's nothing really to take notes on. It's all just (laughs) comedy gold.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. And what I think is so startling about this episode, especially the first time you see it, it is so completely off the wall. And we later find out why is because we're actually in John's mind and he is generating all of this himself. And so it's like walking through someone's dream. And Mm -hmm. he behaves as if he is walking through his own dream. And it's just, it is very wacky and off the wall. And I just, I love that about it. I'm definitely one of those fans who loves the Mindfrell episodes. And especially because Scorpius shows up in it. Mm -hmm. Because he is, in this incarnation, is one of my favorite characters, hands down, of all time, any show, anywhere. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's just... The the brilliance with which they, they came up with this, this plot, which is really this episode is the reveal of the season two plot line. Mm-hmm. The season two arc of John and Scorpius and what is going on with John's hallucinations and his visions and Scorpius in his ear and Scorpius's patience with John getting away over and over again. Because the real Scorpius is like, that's okay. I've got this plan going on mm-hmm. and I've got this trap that I'm laying and John doesn't know about it. And this is the big reveal to the audience and to John about what is happening to him. Mm-hmm. And for the for the season arc, it's a really important episode. Mm-hmm. But from the internal arc of the episode is very, pretty straightforward, honestly, but then just filled with all this really fun stuff. And yeah. that's why it feels full, even though... The actual plot is very simple.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that describing it as John's dream actually is a really good way to describe it because so much stuff happens in this episode that you're like, What all now? (laughs) And but then when you when you're ever whenever you're trying to describe a dream, you'll say things like Well and then I walked into my house, but it wasn't my house. And there was a pool with a shark in it, but it wasn't a real shark. And then I saw I saw dad but he was wearing a business suit and he was gonna go to the stock exchange. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like all these like random things. And that's how this episode is, is where it's just it's got all the familiar pieces. Yeah. But they're all in like these wacky different
1: yeah and even even at the beginning when it's playing it straight more or less when it's like you know he's in the hospital exam room and Aaron as Bettina Fairchild comes in and and she's playing it straight as in like yeah I'm with a real doctor you're delusional you're going you're having some head trauma and she like has the the ear thing I think this Mm -hmm. came up in one of the commentaries that I listened to once upon a time but she you know she uses the ear exam tool but she doesn't use it right you know she's too far away from his ear to actually use it properly so there's these little hints that things are wrong even in the very very early parts of it where things aren't lining up it's just more subtle hints at that stage
0: so john initially wakes up and like we said initially things kind of feel normal except obviously we as viewers know it's not normal and john as a character knows it's not normal so one of the things i really like about this episode is and, and this happens a lot in like, it was all a dream episodes where, you know, the whole episode will be about somebody trying to convince somebody that, that the life they've been living isn't real. Like there's a Buffy episode where that happens. There's a psychologist and he's trying to convince her that she's actually insane and she's in an insane asylum. And, and then that episode kind of ends with some ambiguity where you're not quite a hundred percent if it's real or if she actually is just in an asylum. And here within like, Within five minutes, it's very clear yeah. that it is not real. And the way they do that is really clever because they bring Zan in as a psychologist. And I want to
1: play that because it is hilarious. And it really encapsulates a lot of the humor in this episode that is just perfect.
0: Sorry to keep you.
1: Zan. Zan. Adjective or name name. Then I'm afraid you're mistaken. I'm Dr. Kaminsky. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you are a psychiatrist? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think so. On Earth, psychiatrists don't come in blue. Do you have a problem with people of color? I have a contextual problem. You're an alien. Yes, that's true. But I do have a green card. Interesting. Are you or are you not blue? Would it matter to you if I was? Do you always answer a question with a question? Does that bother you? Stop it. Facts.
0: You're a Delvian. A plant. Tenth level puh. We shared unity once.
1: Shared unity. Interesting euphemism. No, Mr. Crichton, you and I have never had sex. I'm sure I'd remember if we had. <laughs> the puns oh my god oh my the gosh. wordplay the wordplay just I love it I love it so much Oh, because it's a psychologist's office or psychiatrist's office it's got like the leather chair the couch the bookshelves it's very dim and dark and you know this kind of uh quiet atmosphere going on and oh my god Zan and Virginia Hay in a suit so hot yes <laughs> yes she pulls it
0: off with aplomb oh my goodness and also an interesting note is that John gets in there and there's a single fan going and John says something like, gosh, it's really hot in here. And mm-hmm. so keep that in mind because that becomes a hint later on. But also just that whole exchange is so good because it's, it's so funny. <laughs> Do you have problems with people of color? You're an alien. Yes, but I have a green card. <laughs> you write about it being like dream logic. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's met Aaron, and now he's met Zan, and the next person he meets from Moya is Dargo, who is an astronaut flyboy, and I'm going to play this one next because it's also really hilarious, and it also shows John gravitating towards his former crew members over DK, who is also in his dream. We didn't see in a human reaction, but he's here in this one, who is his supposed best friend on Earth, or who is his best friend on Earth, and here he's ditching him for Dargo. You know that guy, Gary Ragel. newest
0: hot shot to come out of yes astronaut training. Watch your back. He's got ambition.
1: Gary Ragel has tentacles. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's a straight boy. What? He looks normal to you? It's a lifestyle choice. Anyway, his looks are the least of his problems. He's a jerk.
0: Hey, DK, how you doing? And 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 ooh, miss there. How
1: you going? You almost ran us down, Ragel. Yeah, not even close, my friend. How you doing? My name's Gary Ragel. I know you. You are John Crichton. I've heard you're one hell of a flyer. Let's go get a beer. We don't have time for a beer. No, no time for beer. Beer. Keys. <laughs> my friend, one thing you
0: have to learn. There is always time for beer.
1: Oh my god, Anthony Simcoe has so much fun as Dargo in this role. It is so much fun to watch him play, and I just love it. I just love it.
0: And <laughs> I like that... I think that this episode is just so good, because it gives all these like incredibly talented actors, it gives them all like the most ridiculous things to do, and you can tell that they're all just having fun, they're all doing it, and it just seems... It seems like everybody like read the script and they're like, okay, yes, count me in for this.
1: <laughs> yes, we are going to boogie, which is a line from later in the episode. So, so yeah, so John goes for b- goes for beer with Dargo, and while they're there, Aaron as Bettina Fairchild shows up and. He introduces the two of them to each other because they don't know each other, and then they start making out. So, again, the dream logic happening. John's face when Aaron or patina Fairchild starts kissing Gary Ragel is just like, wait, wait, what's just happening here? Stop, stop that.
0: <laughs> you could definitely tell he's like, I don't like this. This is not making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, because she like immediately gets in his lap and is like macking on him.
1: And then there's the band playing at the bar. The bar is one of the major settings of this episode. And Pilot is on the bongo drums, which is kind of fabulous. And there's Scorpius on uh, the snare drums. But there's also a Scorpius at the bar that John meets when he goes up to get a pitcher of beer. And this is where things start to take a turn for slightly for the serious of this episode. And we kind of start to figure out what's going on with Scorpius. So I'm going to play that. Pitch a beer. Dig your style, Ringo. John, we haven't got much time. Twins. Pity your mother. and you listen to me? He, he is not real. Ah, right. You are. So what's your name? Who do you play in this fun house? Do you know my name. Scorpius. Scorpius. You don't fit the pattern. You got no Halloween costume, got no assumed name, you're not playing a role. That suggests something to me. It suggests that you are the man behind the- In fact,
0: I'm the only one that can help you. So what are you looking for this time? You're looking for wormholes again, huh? In fact, I have to leave now, John. Nah, you aren't going anywhere!
1: Yeah, right? So in this whole madhouse of things not being right, the only thing that is right is Scorpius. And that is just so chilling. And I think John finds it incredibly chilling as well, given that he tries to beat up Scorpius and the bar before he vanishes to go into hiding again, as it were.
0: Yeah. And I think it does kind of really create this like dissonance that... Scorpius is the one making sense. Scorpius is the one that's normal. It's, yeah. it creates a definite mental dissonance, which I think that, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because we're going to talk about it in like five minutes, but I mean, I think that that's one of the things that makes Harvey himself so creepy because mm-hmm. on the one hand, he's working for John's benefit. And on the other hand, he is actively trying to strip John. He's, and he's a, a complete violation of yeah. john's you know in- autonomy. autonomy brain <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so we have just the hints of that here that there's something dangerous going on externally that is driving this internal scorpius to to say that he is the only one who can help john and it's this beginning of an unholy alliance between the two of them that actually you know is something that continues for the rest of the show which is i just love like Scorpius in John's brain is the most brilliant character. One of my favorites. As I said, it's just like one of my favorites of all time. Mm -hmm.
0: So John at this point is really beginning to crack up and he actually ends up confiding in psychologist Zan that, you know, he's like, you know, you're the closest thing to a real psychologist. And he's trying to figure out what's going on with her. And she's obviously like, you're crazy.
1: And then he meets (laughs) the new director of the new project manager. Before we move on to that, though, I think one of the most poignant moments for me in this episode is is when he's talking to Zan and he says he misses Moya mm. and, you know, he wishes he were back there and it's become home to him. And he's kind of got this question of that he asks himself. It's like, how can a ship full of aliens be so familiar and so comforting? And that's just one of the notes that I really, really love about his conversation with Santa there. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it is true. Cause I mean, on the one hand, this is all fun house mirror version of earth. But on the other hand, I think that Moya is
1: becoming home. Yeah, it really is. And also the fact that John is so isolated in this episode, like it's literally him by himself, and then oh yeah, Scorpius is here too in some form that he's still figuring out at this stage. You know, I think that's one of the reasons he's so drawn to his all the all the doppelgangers of his chipmates is because those are the people that he trusts now mm. and that he knows he can rely on and trust.
0: Interesting. I, I like that a lot. And I think that it's interesting that there's so much struggle within John this episode, and a lot of the ways he expresses it can be really violent. Because he knows it's not real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I think that it does the episode a lot of credit. They, they at no point are like, this is, I mean, at the very, very beginning, they're like, no, this is real, John. But then within, you know, just a couple of minutes, we're like, we're seeing things that are just like, oh, yeah, his psychologist is blue. So clearly, no, this is not real. So I, I do feel like it does the episode a lot of credit that the the way that John expresses all these internal concerns is by externalizing a lot of things and at the same mm-hmm. time that the episode isn't ever like no this is real and you did a really bad thing the episode is always kind of like okay moving on you know how else yeah. is John to express his rage and anger and frustration yeah yeah because <laughs> the next thing he does is he mi- is he meets the <laughs> he meets the new project manager
1: who's Rigel <laughs> <laughs> Who has a disability and is not just a little green slug. <laughs> <laughs> and what does the man's disability have to do?
0: <laughs> oh, man. So then he, um, Rigel's like, okay, we're doing the Farscape project again. You're going to do it. And John's like, oh, that's how you're going to figure out how I did the wormhole mm-hmm. thing. So he takes Rigel and he throws Rigel off of a tall set of stairs,
1: building, something yeah. like that. Gara- Parking garage, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. You just tried to murder somebody and succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, again, that dream logic that's come into play. You're just going to get rid of the problem by throwing it off a cliff, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I can't remember exactly the order of events. Oh, okay. So then after he throws Rigel off, he ends up going back to the bar and partying with Dargo and Aaron again and then Shiana joins them and she's an astronaut groupie Jessica <laughs> who is making out with Aaron to start with and then moves on to John as soon as she finds out John's an astronaut and Scorpius is there again trying to get John's attention and, and John's having none of it he doesn't want to talk to Scorpius he doesn't want to acknowledge he exists so then the four of them go into a awesome joyride in a sweet convertible <laughs> and driving down the road singing partying john is, has a new philosophy on life and that it sucks which yes true <laughs> for you john it does suck right now and i love scorpius tries to follow him and is on the windshield <laughs> and john and turns the on the
0: windshield wipers <laughs> windshield wipers
1: i love it <laughs> So right. And so this is where it starts to get really disjointed because the scenes come faster together. There's not a lot in each little bit, but there's this kind of this accumulation of things. And so John does a head-on collision with a Mack truck. They all survive. He wakes up in the hospital again. And he see that's when he sees Bettina Fairchild, who's Aaron, in the hair rollers. And this is when it gets... This is when it takes that really disturbing, dark, really hard, serious turn because we've had all this lead up of of hilarity and yes it's dark but it's also just funny and then suddenly his mother is there Mm -hmm. visiting him in the hospital and his mother has been dead for four years and it breaks John and it's really hard to watch because it's a deeply, deeply personal, intimate thing from his past that we've never seen before that he's suddenly confronted with so I'm going to play that scene thank god you're okay Came as soon
0: as I could. Tom.
1: This is a pretty good check. Considering you're dead. Mom. I had to come. Oh, sweetheart. Huh. You're not real. You're sweating. lose so much you were so innocent so full of wonder it's all gone you've become callous you've killed you can't know that it's true isn't it it's what bothers you That's why you can't sleep nights. I sleep fine. <gasps> Where are you going? Away from something that isn't my mother. <sighs> are you gonna leave without saying goodbye? Oof, not okay. <laughs> No. And there's actually quite a lot going on in that sequence that you hear. First, he's confronting the ghost of his mother, who is dead, who he is completely blindsided by seeing. And so that's an emotional blow to him. Then you have the fact that she mentions you're sweating, which means he's hot, which according to Scorpius, either earlier or later, I can't remember when, when it means that the Scarin who has captured John mm-hmm. and is torturing him or interrogating him... But that means that he is close, and so this is a very deliberate attempt to break John. And then you have his mother saying things like, you've killed people, you've changed, you've lost your innocence, that because she's supposedly on Earth, could never have known, and also dead, could never have known about him. And so it's just very much, it feels like his guilty conscience and his, you know, the regret over who he has become coming out to play as well. And I, I
0: agree that that when I initially watched it, I was kind of reading it as him being like, oh, "Okay, this is a sign that this isn't real because you couldn't, even if you were alive on Earth, you couldn't know that I have killed people." Right. Agreed. But at the same time, I think there's also this like undercurrent in John that's like, "You can't know that because he doesn't want his mom to see him that way," mm. because that's kind of what's that kind of what gets me when I was listening to it again right now is that th- there's a part of John that's like no I don't I don't want my mom to know that I've become this much more callous person that I've become that I've had to become this much harder person than I was when I was a kid or when I was on earth and a scientist.
1: Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, your your better self that you want your mom to be proud of and know who you are, meanwhile you have a life elsewhere where He has done questionable things, you know, and things that he is not, I think, fully comfortable with. He has become more comfortable with doing them, but I think he's still struggling to live with them. Yeah. And I think that manifests itself here since this is his own brain space where people are coming out.
0: Yeah. All of the mom scenes are just deeply not okay. And it also kind of, it it brings, I think that we see so much of John as he is post premiere. Where Mm -hmm. it's all about him getting hurt and hurt again and getting violated and getting kidnapped and getting, you know, murdered and having to make hard choices. And we kind of, we as viewers kind of see all of that damage and it's all kind of condensed in these episodes that we've seen like the past in, you know, last week with Beware of Dog and then in like the next couple of episodes, we all kind of see that all coming to fruition And yet here, this is a wound that we didn't know about, and it just makes John so much more believable to me as a character, Mm -hmm. because I like the idea of it not just being the things that have happened to him during the run of Farscape that have made him who he currently is, but that he also comes with a past.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that too a lot. And in the next scene with his mom, he tries to run away from her and go to the bar, but she appears there as well this time she's sick the, the implication she's died of cancer she's got an ivy with her she's in a hospital dressing gown she's got makeup that makes her face look patchy and and just very sick and there's even more heartbreak than just seeing his mom i just want out of this stay with me this time be with me when i go no, please, this, please. Please. No, no. Oh, God. This is cruel.
0: This is cruel. Please mm-hmm. don't
1: meet you. We need to Don't <laughs> <No>, tell <don't. laughs> do this to me! <laughs> oh so heartbreaking i am not
0: okay with this scene
1: <laughs> no it's so hard to watch too because it's like his mom was sick and we learned that he wasn't there when she died and she wanted him to be and he's feels awful about it mm-hmm. and it's just you know, he says it, he says it's cruel and he's crying. And it's that gross crying that feels really real. And it feels really true of like, this is something that tears him up inside and he avoids thinking about it when he can. And he runs away again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Like this scene is like, uh, this is one of those scenes that you'll still remember at the end of the run of Farscape because it's just such good acting. It's so good. And like I said, it reveals this like open raw wound That you kind of get the feeling that John had like put a bandage over and that he was like, okay, with all the other stuff that's going on, I'm not going to deal with this. You know, this is something that happened four years ago. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And then like right here, it's like, nope, this is real. This is happening.
1: It's still not okay. Still not okay. (sighs) Yeah. It's like he hasn't properly dealt with it. I think
0: that there's just so much going on in those two scenes. I think that one of the things is kind of this guilt, this overwhelming sense of guilt. And also, I don't know, I kind of got the impression that John, even, yeah, yeah, John was not there when she actually died. But you also kind of got the feeling that maybe he wasn't there for the illness in terms of like, mm. because I think that a lot of times it's really, as as someone who's gone through it, it's really, really hard to be there for somebody who is dying of cancer because it's long mm-hmm. and it's painful and it's just yes. involved and you kind of get the feeling that maybe he just checked out and and that kind of is what's feeding into this guilt and yeah ugh,
1: ben browder oh my gosh yes and the thing with him not being there was probably because of the Farscape project because mm-hmm. four years is not is uh you know a life cycle of a of getting a Project to launch. I mean, he was probably deeply involved in building the module and using that as an escape from dealing with his mother's death and her pending illness. Mm-hmm. Mm. This
0: whole thing is just so painful.
1: And it's another one of those classic Farscape twists where he goes from this really funny, really bizarre to something really emotional and really raw that's super serious. And it's just, it's just switches on a dime. We saw it a little in Beware of Dog a little bit with when the vork dies at the end. We're seeing it again here. We've seen it in other episodes like Crackers Don't Matter, which is uh, also full of lots of comedy, but also had this really deep undercurrent of violence and raw emotion that was going on under the surface. Yeah.
0: And I think that these two moments are really at the heart of this episode mm-hmm. because... On the one hand, nothing would tell you you're in a dream as much as a dead relative showing up, but right. at the same time, just the the fact that it is his mother and the fact that he hasn't clearly hasn't like dealt with her death that well, mm-hmm. it just, it like turns from this like episode where you're like laughing, 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 and then like emotional whiplash. And that's just what Farsky yeah. does so, so well over the course of the series.
1: Yeah, and I would add another aspect to this is because in the first clip we played of these two where it's the Skarin is nearby inducing this because you're sweating, you're hot, that's the signal that the Skarin is nearby. So it's another violation of an external force digging up these really painful memories of John's and violating his memory, violating his history and all those things just to try and hurt him with it. Mm -hmm. And so there's... It's another layer on top of that, that it isn't just his memories in his past, but it's also someone else doing this to him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for certain. At this point, we know that something's really, really wrong. And John experiences a few more flashes. And then Scorpius comes back. And John is back in the hospital room. And he's tied down. And Scorpius... Hand- he,
1: he's handcuffed.
0: Oh, is this after he assaulted Grace?
1: He assaults Krace and then he goes to Rigel's office where Rigel is alive again and everyone's in that picture. Mm-hmm like that picture orientation. And then there's a picture of him on the wall and he take, he has Crace's gun and he tries to shoot them, but they don't die because it's his brain. The bullets don't hit anything besides the pictures behind them. And then they talk about going and getting lunch while John is like losing it. And then he's back in the hospital room again, where Cray <laughs> shows up with a dog. And actually I want to bring this one up because it ties into another long running theme of the show. Cray shows up with a dog in his hands. It's a little terrier. And he reads off a litany of all the charges against John, which is like assaulting a police officer, five attempts of murder. And then he hands him a ticket, which is like, it comes to $29 and something cents. <laughs> <laughs> and then Grace looks at his dog and says, Toto, and then walks out. And it's a Dorothy in uh, Oz reference, a Wizard of Oz. And it's, again, that I am in a different... Another world. I am a dream dreamer in another world. I'm going through this whole other experience. It's the same theme as the Alice in Wonderland quotes that we get throughout the series as well. Mm -hmm. Of of the lost girl, John is our little lost girl in another world.
0: Yeah, so good. So yeah,
1: then and that's what Scorpius shows up. Yeah, so then
0: Scorpius shows up. And by the way, just Lonnie Chipu, like he's so fabulous. Like this Crace in this episode is just amazing. And like it's a, just the a delivery on the line of that comes to twenty-nine dollars and fourteen cents. And you're like, will that be cash, credit, or what is it? He says, he says, will that be cash check or credit card? And it's just yes. Like the the snap of that delivery is just so good. And like, like I said, it has all of these just fabulous actors doing this incredible comedy that's just like all Mm -hmm. physical and all absurdist it almost feels like like david lynch do you know what i mean
1: Mm -hmm. like that
0: was the feeling i kind of got with it
1: a little bit more coherent than david lynch (laughs) (laughs) which is saying something so yeah and i don't i don't know if we've mentioned but Crace is playing a police officer yeah so scorpius shows up again and he reveals to john
0: that john's being tortured by escaron Iskerin because the want to know why scorpius wants john and then john is like okay well so how are you here and there's a moment that reveals something to us as an audience that is just going to create this sense of impending doom for a really long time
1: <laughs> you put something in my head a very sophisticated neurochip it contains, well, it contains me, or a mental clone of my, um, personality. That explains the visions I've been having. Precisely. I was supposed to have remained hidden, but uh, now and then your subconscious would become aware of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I couldn't kill you on the royal planet. Of course, a simple failsafe. But my main function is to access the wormhole knowledge you have in your brain. No matter how long that takes. Uh, you're Harvey, <laughs> or is it Clarence? Tiny Angel? Invisible Rabbit? Uh, Harvey? Uh. <sighs> Harvey. Does the Scannin know you're here? I only manifest myself in the Scannin's attention is elsewhere, as it is now. So sinister. Oh, my goodness. Ah. So during that sequence, you get another one of recurring flashbacks that we've seen all of season two, where John is flashing back to the Aurora chair and and Scorpius has something in his neck. And that is him injecting this neural clone, which is what ends up being what we call him or Harvey. Injecting this neural clone of his personality into John's head where it is stuck. And John literally has Scorpius inside his brain. And that is, if not the creepiest and most clever thing, I don't know what else is. But it's super creepy. So creepy. So good. And so what I mentioned way back in Crackers Don't Matter of the writers wanting to keep Wayne Pigram as part of the plot line without making Scorpius be like a stupid cartoon villain, kind of like early Crace was before Grace, they figured out what to do with Crace. It is so brilliant because you can have Scorpius show up because he's literally with John all the time and yet not have the real Scorpius's danger or menace diminished in any way. Yeah. It just amplifies it.
0: Yeah, I like that word of amplification because I think that that's what what Harvey is always going to bring to the show, Mm -hmm. is he kind of brings this, like, outsized sense of anxiety, this outsized sense of of menace. Because, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, here he's working for John's benefit because, obviously, if John dies, or if John cracks up, then Scorpius doesn't get what he wants. But at the same time, in the long term, you understand that John literally has Scorpius in his head. He literally has an enemy in his head.
1: Yeah, and not just any enemy, but Scorpius. As we said, since Scorpius has shown up, he is a very smart villain. He's a very silver-tongued villain. He's very patient. He is completely in control and command as much as he can be, which is you know 99% of the time. And here he has come up with another way to get what he wants that is completely sinister, completely ruthless, and completely effective because he has himself running around in John's head. Mm-hmm. Oof, creepy.
0: Yeah. So I want to play a short moment because we've done a couple of moments of comedy in this episode, but I want to play this one moment of Crace, <laughs> the cop. <laughs> and this is so what's happened is after Harvey disappears again and kind of says, be really careful because the the Skaren, you know, we we can't let the Skaren know that I'm here and you have to kill him but you can't shoot him because their skin's too tough. So then we have these clips and they're all so funny. It's like, you know, you've got a clip of Dargo... And John on lookout point and is confessing that his feelings about John have changed and they need to perform a Luxon ritual. And then it flashes to John's parents and like he, he's a baby and his dad is screaming he doesn't want the baby and his mom is crying. And then uh, just like a whole bunch of quick, 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 quick. And then John gets launched into into the air and he lands on Kreese's car. And I want to play that clip because it's just a good example of the comedy in this episode.
1: And the opening to this is Cray stepping out in red pumps and it's beautiful. Like, he should always wear red pumps. Craze! You're under arrest. You have the right to the remains of a sign attorney. If you cannot afford
0: one, top noogies! You can make one phone call. I recommend Trixie. 976 love Do you understand these rights as I have explained them to you? Well, do you, punk?!
1: I can't arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> you have the right to the remains of a silent attorney. I love it. Love it.
0: I just love that. You can have one phone call. I recommend Tracy.
1: <laughs> Trixie, I think. But yeah, it's oh, really God. great. So so yeah, so at the end it gets very disjointed and it very much feels like I don't know, like shards of a mirror kind of thing where where now that we've we've broken that I don't want to say fourth wall, but John has broken that 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 extra wall about what's going on with Scorpius and Harvey and the Scarin and so now it's all like the mirror has been broken. It's no longer reflecting back what's inside his head and he's starting to everything's starting to fall apart. And actually at one point he's in the bar dancing and the line where the boogie comes from, everybody's got a boogie. And then it stops and Aaron, as her PK self, comes in and says, everybody clear out now. And it feels like reality coming in again, that Aaron is there to rescue him, except then she starts asking questions and they're not the right questions. Aaron starts asking him, Aaron tells him first of all,
0: scorpius kidnapped you right but now scorpius is dead and john is like okay (laughs) and then he's like okay so scorpius was behind it and she's like yes what did he want what did he want and john's like and john initially starts telling her like oh well he wanted and then he kind of looks at her and he's like you know what this is not the right place let's go back to the ship and i'll tell you and then she goes No. no tell me now yeah what did scorpius want and it's that that pings john off to something being really really wrong yeah and what ends up happening is the scarin at this point realizes he has to turn things up so he turns <laughs> he turns the volume up to 11
1: <laughs> to put it that way i was thinking of the princess's bride torture machine personally but
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and things start even going more insane until john dies and his body collapses in the real world in the real world. And so he's finally awake and he's out of the funhouse mirror. And he looks around and the scarin is recording his notes. And then John sets his, his gun to... Overload. Ex-
1: overload. Yeah. To explode. Because we know that John is really good at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> From episode two of season one. Or episode four season one. Thrown for a loss when he overloads weapons. Anyway. So... And that's how he ultimately kills the Scareen. Is he? The Scareen comes over to investigate this weird, high-pitched sound, and he's able to take him by surprise, shove the gun in his mouth. It explodes. It makes the Scareen's head explode. And John kind of leaps away <laughs> from the explosion and is against the wall, far wall now.
0: And that's when Harvey comes yep. back. And the menace in this scene is off the charts. So we're just going to play it.
1: Well done, John. What happened? I feel like... I died. I had to stop your brain function for a few microwatons. To divert the scanner. No i done. I'll go back in your subconscious mind now. Don't get too comfortable. I'm gonna get that chip out of my head. There's no chip in your head, John. Yeah, there is. You told me that... There's a, um... No... You were saying? Mental chip... um, uh, You were saying? What am I saying? Um. As it should be.
0: I won't trouble you again.
1: Until I need to. Ooh <laughs> dun dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah. The menace there is just as we said, off the charts. And John is like mumbling and he can't form the words and it's just like you know the audience knows that it's gonna be bad.
0: Do you think Farscape would be the same without Harvey? No. Like do you think it would have been as good? No.
1: Harvey's Harvey is Harvey is just one of the those clever clever lightning strikes of creative power that that changed the character of this show and i think it changed it for the better because he is so he becomes a central character for the remainder of the series you know and it's he's just too essential i don't see how they could have done the rest of the show without him yeah
0: i mean i given the talent of the writers i think it probably would have been good but i think that just harvey makes makes far such a unique show Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of compare, like, the epic space operas, like, Farscape, Battlestar Galactica, a lot of the Star Treks. Firescape in itself is just such a different show.
1: Yeah, the character of it is so different. And it's not just the ragtag aspect of it, because you have mm-hmm. that, you know, Firefly is a ragtag group of people, too. You know, they're not military like Star Trek is, but I don't know, there's a flavor to it that's just so outside of everything else. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is this willingness to go and do these crazy episodes like this one, where they just go for it all the way. And yes, sometimes it bombs, like we've seen bad episodes on Firescape, but then you have something like this, which just works. It's so Mm -hmm. bizarre, but it works. Because it does fit into the overarching story arc.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because on the one hand, you really have to watch this as just like straight comedy. And it's like you almost have to enjoy it. You couldn't have had this episode in season one Mm-mm. because you need to be familiar enough with all these characters that it is comedic when you see them so out of context. Yeah. So I don't know. <sighs> Harvey. Harvey's, Harvey's here. here. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit less excited about this than I was when Chiana or Bracca showed up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because season two Harvey is different from post season two Harvey. You know? Yeah, that's true. So anyway, we'll, we'll get through the end of season two. So what would you give this episode? This episode is four and a half, five. I don't think it's quite a five, but I don't, I think it's still a little bit more than a four. So I'm not going to go four and a half ish. I feel like
0: I I feel like my rating of this episode depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. Like when I want comedy, then this is like a four and a half. And when I'm like just watching Farscape, I don't know, it's not as high like a three. Mm-hmm. It's an episode that hits all of the emotional beats that I need to make me happy. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think this would be a lot more fun if I were high. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Watching this episode high. I've never done that.
0: Uh. OK, so wardrobe watch we can't even describe it you're just gonna have to go look at pictures and gift sets because everybody is wearing random random things yes they're
1: all in in their um earth costumes
0: although as we pointed out zan's suit virginia hay she
1: pulls it off oh super hot yeah she looks really good though i gotta say dargo is wearing uh, chinos and like this kind of orangey brown (laughs) square sweater, which really works for him because he's It's like a golf it's outfit. It's such a or golf something. outfit. Yeah, and he's got like the white shoes and it's just uh I don't know. It's just it's just so great. It's really great. It's great. And then
0: seeing Pilot in the Rasta outfit.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, so good. Yep.
1: Alright. So next week we have the Locket. <gasps> oh my gosh, really? Yes. I <gasps> i'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> i'm happy you're excited it's uh, not one of my favorites but oh really yeah wow. <laughs> anyway we'll, we'll get into it next week and we are farscape friday podcasts on DreamWit and tumblr and gmail.com and farscape friday on twitter and if you like us rate us on itunes and subscribe to our podcast You probably already are subscribing if you're listening to it. But, you know, tell your friends. (laughs) Yeah, tell your friends. Drop us a review, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.